back. And we're back. We have returned. <laughs> we have returned. For part two. Indeed. Tis true, part two. And here we are. And here are you. And <laughs> I... <laughs> We are the Dr. Seuss. Oh guests. no. Speaking of racism. Oh no, no. Gosh, that right? guy. <laughs> were we were we speaking of racism? Today. And you know, you know, for the four in our series, I feel like it's it's the Cthulhu in the room of It's the <laughs> of ever you talk about Lovecraft. There's always that like huh. The Lovecraftian creature. In yeah. The room. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, <laughs> we're off to a great start today. It's true. So, <laughs> but we do have a um, a new segment that we wanted to start before we get into our topic sure. for today. Erin, what have you been watching? I love. I just love this new topic. So I've been. I posted about it on our <laughs> Insta today. But I have been sick, so I'm going full mm. comfort, and I have to disclose to you, Rhonda. That I don't like the movie Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. I don't like it. Oh, but it comforts no. me to my core when I'm sick. <laughs> okay, I, yeah. I don't make the I rules. That. I feel that. Okay. So I've been watching that. That's interesting. Isn't it weird? Like It's very interesting. I think it's the Rick Moranis of it all. He's mm, comforting. Sure. I don't know. And like the 90s outfits. Like, could you just watch like Ghostbusters? Would that have the same effect? No, because I need the, like, Disney music of it all. Because mostly, when you're comfort watching, you're not really watching. You're sleeping while you... True. While That's it's very, very true. Um, yeah. But I've also been watching, like, Mindy Project and Clueless and just all of your, like, comfort essentials. You know, that's really interesting because, like, m- as many know, or perhaps don't know, because I don't know that I've ever... actually stated this on the podcast my favorite movie of all time is the princess bride and Uh that's also the movie that i always watch when i'm sick yeah and that movie is a masterpiece it is so i don't i don't know what i i don't know what what point i'm getting at here um we're sharing but i just think that we should all be aware i think we should all be aware too um (laughs) that is my favorite movie Anyway. Oh, I also <laughs> needed to note that I just watched um, Cyberpunk Edge Runners on Netflix. <gasps> yeah, you did. Oh, <laughs> my. It's so good. The music, the plot, it's like heartbreaking. Oh, it's good. oh so good. From the good. title, it sounded kind of ridiculous, but. No, I'm totally. Sure <laughs> but it was really. I'm sure it's good. It was really deeply moving and wonderful, and I loved it. But I'm talking too long. Great. What what are you watching cool. lately? What am I watching lately? Well, I am. <laughs> so new episodes <laughs> of Andor uh, come out on Wednesdays. Sure. And a lot of like the hardcore fans are staying up until midnight on Tuesday so they can <laughs> watch the new episode right away. Um, and I was like going to do that last night. But I fell asleep. And then sure. I was like, okay, well, I, like, I'm too tired to stay up, um, you know, to watch it at midnight now. I'll just wake up early enough in the morning okay. that I can watch it before work. That didn't happen either. Sure. So I was trying, <laughs> I was like trying to watch it like 
while I was working, like in the middle of the day when there's like kind of a slow yeah. time. Um, I worked from home today, so just, I wasn't like, you know, anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like trying to watch it and I couldn't focus on it because I was also trying to like actually work. Yeah. You know, like I'm an adult. So sure. I, <laughs> I run into so that I'm predicament like, too. I'm like ten minutes into the latest episode of Andor, like as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the middle of this episode that I am going to watch as soon as we are done recording tonight. Um I love it. Yeah. But anyway, I'm I um I'm really loving Andor. It's it's hitting it's hitting a spot, uh nice. you could say. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I'm also really loving the Rings of Power. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so great, and I have all of these theories, fan (laughs) theories that. uh, Well, that I mean, I agree with like a lot of the popular fan theories on the internet. I I okay, but. I don't know. Have you watched it at all? I haven't. I've been saving it for a rainy day, and I think uh, tomorrow <sighs> might be it. Yeah. Tomorrow it's going to be rainy. Yeah. And you watch Rings of Power. Yeah. That's exactly what I should do before <laughs> my grad school class. Yeah. Oh, one other show yeah. that I feel like is kind of a sleeper. Um, it's called Reboot. Oh, I love it. Show. How oh have you been watching it? Oh, yes. I'm only on episode like not, two, but I love why it. We have not talked about it. Oh, it's great. It's so great. I have felt the need to like ration it. I'm only on episode yeah. like two or three, but I love it so much. Well, that's like that's like the great thing about what I think is great about like shows that only release one episode a week is that it forces you to ration it. Totally. I've been, like, I've been just like watching the new episode every week. I mean, I guess that's like how that's pretty much how like all of the all of the streamers are doing it besides Netflix. Yeah. And you know, they're just releasing one episode a week, which I actually really, really like. I really they, do too. You just reminded me that there's a new Abbott Elementary this week. That came back. Last yes, week. there is. Ah. Yes. You know what? On reboot, <sighs> so I love Judy Greer's performance so I much. I love Judy Greer love so much. She's so funny. She's so funny. And she's such a, like, well-seasoned actor yeah. who's always played, like, the best friend or, yeah. like, the sister or whatever. And she has this role now where she's, like, one of the main characters. And I love her so much. And she's so great. There's that moment yeah. <laughs> where, like, they're all reunited or whatever. And he says, basically, well, we can't sleep together. We can't be together again or whatever. And then she, like, pretends to be flirting with him and then goes, no, that's good acting. Of course I'm not interested in you. And then, like, walks away. Uh, Legendary. Uh, Legendary. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Great show. Go watch Reboot, everyone. Reboot, Abbott Elementary, all good stuff. Mm -hmm. And Lovecraft Country. And and also Lovecraft Country. And also Lovecraft Country. And also the show we're talking about. This, yes. This one that, that our show is about. Um, yeah. So that was that was our segment. Maybe we should have like a theme song for the segment. Like, what are you watching right now? I love and then, that. 
And then at the end, we would be like, that's what we're watching right now. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, so that was the end of it. So, um, so what, that was that's what we were, what we're watching, watching right, right now. now. <laughs> you can sing along if you want. Um, yeah. Feel free. Okay. Friends. All right. No, I was talking to you, Erin. You oh, can sing along. <laughs> but I wanted our friends to join in. I'll play the ukulele. Oh, I'll do like a u- <gasps> Yes. Okay, I'll write a jingle for it on ukulele. And we'll Cute. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. So, that concludes that segment. <laughs> to quote John Oliver, moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, so Lovecraft Country... This is our second episode, and today we really wanted to go into, um, you know, the racism of Lovecraft's work and how that's kind of weaved into the, and kind of, I think the whole point of the show is to reclaim it like we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to explore some of the ways that, uh, well, I wanted to define cosmic horror and the Cthulhu mythos for us and kind of define our terms, and then take a look at how this really works well as a vehicle for exploring racism. So that's what I'm kind of talking about today. Um, I feel like I'm, I don't know, I feel like I'm like the first lecturer of the day at like a comic con or something, (laughs) where you're like still trying to get Gotta warm up the crowd. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... By definition, um, like Lovecraftian horror, sometimes used interchangeably with cosmic horror, is a subgenre of horror fiction and and weird fiction that emphasizes. Ooh, what's weird fiction? I've never heard that term before. I've never heard that... it either. Let me just. Is do... that just any fiction that's weird? <laughs> Let me just double check. <laughs> it's exactly. It's exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> I didn't see that, so I should have looked that up. Weird fiction is a subgenre of speculative fiction originating okay. in the late 19th and early 20th century. And I, it either eschews or radically reinterprets ghosts, vampires, werewolves, and other traditional antagonists of supernatural horror. Okay. So, so, it, rein, so it reinterprets them as... As, as protagonists? Of, is that or, what... or as, like, different monsters. Like, you're not going to find your traditional, like, ghosts or, or like, werewolf in the Cthulhu mythos. You're going to find, mm-hmm. like, those newer, even scarier monsters, I think is what it means. Oh, okay. Um, so it's not like, like, is Twilight weird fiction? Because the vampires in Twilight are, like, different from the traditional mythos of vampires you know what though i think you could make a case for that i think that's kind of the point here yeah okay i think just as long as it it kind of goes outside of what it's supposed to love it air quotes supposed to be you know and Um, i would also like to note that i have fulfilled my contract to bring up twilight so oh yes i was meaning to check in with you about that contract so good um okay Go, go on. <laughs> so cosmic horror, now that we've figured out what weird fiction is, cosmic and horror. And Twilight. And, and of course Twilight. Cosmic horror is a subgenre of horror fiction and weird fiction. So fiction that takes vampires and different monsters and kind of turns them on their side or on their head or however you would reposition them. 
and it emphasizes the horror of the unknowable and incomprehensible more than gore or other elements of mm. shock. And that's so like the the unknown is like the greatest fear, like fear right. of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that piece of the unknown and the incomprehensible is really at play in Lovecraft and it's what Lovecraft was known for because his monsters were all re- were always off screen, right? Like mm-hmm. you would never see a Lovecraft monster in the shot. You would just know about them and kind mm-hmm. of experience them. And that is, and I have to preface this by saying I, I am a white woman talking about racism in the context of Lovecraft. Um, that is my lens. And I just want to name that right as I yeah. begin. But I believe that, that what is so, what is so vital to pairing racism and Lovecraft is not only that he was racist, but also because of that fear of the racist ideology. Mm. That fear of that thought process that is hidden, that you can't necessarily see from somebody else, um, lurking just off camera. I think that is what links so well with the Lovecraft um, style of storytelling, because in all of Lovecraft's work, like... There, the fear really is from not knowing when it's going to happen, when it's going to mm-hmm. come, when it might pop pop up. Um, and it seems to me that that matches pretty well with not knowing if someone is going to be racist or believe in these racist ideologies. And that's yeah. something that I can identify with to some degree as a white person, because sometimes someone will say something racist that you thought mm. that you, you knew really well or that you yep. thought you were comfortable <laughs> with. And then all of a sudden you're kind of in this whole new world. Um, but I can't resonate I think, with that. Yeah. I think in a sense, like as white people, well, I think like, especially as white women, I think that we probably are like privy to a certain type of racism yeah. more so like, or we're like witness to a certain type of racism more so than like because like white people who are racist like if they don't know us very well they think that we're like quote unquote safe yes to to be racist around yes um and so like we witness this i think yeah it's it's a really it's a really weird thing i totally get what what you're saying yeah yeah and i think i think you can also liken it to um, like sexism or misogyny when it kind of pops up out of nowhere and you're just kind of like blindsided uh, by it. Not okay. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> and someone's like, what? Why are you reacting? Um, but all to say that I think that that really pairs nicely with Lovecraft because his monsters were always off of the screen and also because he was so blatantly, you know, racist and problematic. Mm-hmm. Well, and for, I mean, I'm not familiar, not super familiar with the work of Lovecraft, but like for him, that sort of like unknown fear for him that was represented by like his fear of like his racist fear of, um, of, you know, black people or of quote unquote, the other, 
right. um, in a in a in a racist uh, connotation of yeah. the other. So Absolutely. then to like to like completely flip that around, um, I think is like a really brilliant, um, yeah, inversion. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I also think that as we talked about last week, it's a way to reclaim these monsters and these stories, which, you know, are, are really compelling and, and are like interesting to think about. And so for like a science fiction, someone who is interested in science fiction, I can definitely understand how it would be like, just, what am I trying to say? Just like, awful i would have to like it would feel like the carpet getting pulled out out mm. of you right like you're reading this story you're really enjoying and then you find out more about the author which you're going to talk yeah. about at yes. a later date like yeah so i'm really i'm really relieved that lovecraft country has come along because it, I, it feels really necessary um mm -hmm. and i did i did look a little bit into the cthulhu mythos as well because it's so complex. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time, I, like there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, huh? It's kind of, it's kind of like, um, like Tolkien's like Middle Earth yes. mythos, and there's like so much of it, and you could tell that like he wasn't really, like he was more into like making up the mythos of this world than actually like writing <laughs> stories that happen in it. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, like George R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> so I have some um, just information about, I'm going to go into greater detail um, in a couple weeks, but I did just want to go into just a little bit about the Cthulhu mythos today, just to kind of prime you because it confused me, confused the heck out of me. So mm. <laughs> um so I thought that Cthulhu was like one guy, but it's not. Oh, I did too. <laughs> a Cthulhu can take different forms and act in different ways. Oh, so like a Cthulhu is like a species? It's not like... Oh, sure. Okay. There are 27 Cthulhus listed as possible types. Um, oh. So they're kind of like Pokemon a little bit. Um, oh, Okay. And this is a specific... Uh, like racist Pokemon. Okay. Got oh, it. great. Wonderful. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so this is a direct excerpt from Call of Cthulhu uh, about the monsters and kind of what would make a Cthulhu versus like a different type of monster. So... A Cthulhu is a monster of vaguely anthropoid outline, but with an octopus-like head whose face was a mass of feelers, a scaly, rubbery-looking body, prodigious claws on hind and forefeet, and long, narrow wings behind. So hmm. you can see how there's, like, some room for that. Um, to... So, like, a dragon bat kind of... Like yeah, dragon, bad octopus. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> one of those. Um, yeah. So um, they also like transcend, you know, like part of it is that they um, part of, I think, the mystery with them is that they can come in different forms. Um, like like I talked about in our episode one where um, 
I think episode one or two of Lovecraft Country, they come into contact with the racist police officers. Mm -hmm. And then they one by one. one. Yeah. And then they turn into Cthulhu's. I think that's Mm -hmm. a perfect example of how the Cthulhu is being used in Lovecraft. So the people that are racist are then also these monsters. Um, Right. Yeah. That sort of thing, which I, again, I squealed at. I was so excited about it. (laughs) Um, And then this is a little bit off topic, but I just got really excited. There's this, (laughs) there's this article um, for the Irish times called racism, misogyny, sexual anxiety. Let's be honest as a novel, Dracula is no great shakes. And oh, I nice. <laughs> and I really loved it because it really called out all the xenophobia and racism in other types of horror. Mm, um, yeah. And to quote it directly, it says, "In these and in most other 19th century vampire stories, the blood-sucking villain is usually a decadent member of the local gentry rather than an Eastern European, and increasingly, the image of the vampire becomes associated with economic exploitation." And I just... You never see a poor vampire. Right. Huh. It's a little off topic, but I got excited, so... I wonder if if what we do in the shadows has ever, like, (gasps) commented upon that. Right. I mean, like, part of the thing with vampires is that, like, they're all so old Uh that, like, if you're that old, you would have had time to, like, save up a lot of money, I guess. But, like, what about vampires that were created in, like, 2007? Like, right. what are, why are they rich? Anyway. Right. <laughs> and this piece kind of ends with noting that in Das Kapital by Karl Marx, he repeatedly Ugh. refers to um, capital as a vampire. So he says, yes. it's oh capable... Gosh. At once to suck living labor out of the workers and to transform them into an integral part of itself. So you can see why I had to mention that because. Well, yeah. Wow. Um, it's all here, folks. Any Marxist analysis of horror, I am there. Absolutely. We're, we're, bringing the, we're bringing the receipts listeners yeah (laughs) yeah you ready to hear about marxism let's go (laughs) and you know like the those monsters the cthulhu that are in the end of the lovecraft country episode one are comparable to vampires with how they work so like it kind of tied in there but mostly i just i saw a marxist vampire quote and i had to put it in here um but yeah yeah No, I love Marx's vampire quotes. <laughs> yeah. More of those, please. <laughs> More, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that... So, like like you mentioned, I am going to, like, talk a little bit more in a later episode about sort of, like, transforming the works of Lovecraft in particular, but also just, like, of, like the artistic works of like terrible people in general and like how we can kind of reconcile that in like, I'll I'll talk about that like in a later episode, but I think that like, you know, kind of looking at like Lovecraft in particular and Lovecraft country in particular and how it's 
like putting that very literal it's a very literal metaphor of like you know racism is the real monster right yeah like it's like the racist police officers were literally monsters so yeah like, i think it's um I think that's really interesting. Um, like, as we've seen in, like, if we want to zoom out a little bit to, like, the horror genre in general, we've seen that, that like, a similar metaphor coming up in recent works of horror that explore race and racism in similar ways. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on a couple of those. Yeah. Um, so like, I think Get Out is probably oh. like the, the best example of this that, that we can, that, but that exists right now. It's, a, it's an amazing movie just on its own, but it's yeah. also a great, um, example of exploring and commenting on racism through uh, weird fiction or <laughs> through the horror yeah. genre. I actually watched it again last week. I love that movie. Um, before we, before we d- recorded our um our overview episode um yeah it's so good so just a like a quick rundown of get out for anyone who hasn't seen it first of all where have you been um (laughs) (laughs) but so get out is actually like i was thinking about this after i watched it again last week get out is kind of gothic like it has like the elements of the gothic so you have like the main character who is like kind of an innocent in in a yeah. certain way um going to this like old creepy mansion yeah um and doesn't know what he's going to find there but expects um you know expects like a certain kind of mundane um horror in a way sure. and then finds like horror that is like really really bad and harmful and terrible yeah (laughs) um so the main character is uh, a young black man and his girlfriend is white and he's going with her to stay at her parents house in the country um so it's kind of like a guess who's coming to dinner setup sure um (laughs) if you've ever seen that like movie from like the 70s i think 60s or 70s and then it was Um, remade like and then it was remade with ashton kutcher and it was terrible yeah um (laughs) like yeah anyway (laughs) so (laughs) her parents are like they're like the very stereotypical like rich white liberal like that's the that's the that's the vibe absolutely Um, you know like throughout this weekend that they're staying there like you know it's just like a day full of microaggressions basically oh Oh my god and then like um then like at one point there's like this party going on with where like the girlfriend's parents have invited like a bunch of other like rich white people to come to this party and they're all slewing microaggressions around um and also just like flat out blatant racist statements like not even microaggressions and then he you like kind of gradually figure out that um should i spoil the movie (laughs) i mean i feel like if you haven't seen it by now 
you deserve to have it spoiled. Okay, so if you haven't seen it by now, pause right here. But go on. No, listen. <laughs> I'm going to style this movie for you. So, <laughs> so you gradually come to find out that the that all of these people have gathered at this house and they're having an auction. And what are they what are they auctioning off? Um, they're actually literally auctioning off this young black man's body to be used by one of these rich old white people to like transplant their consciousness into his body. So yeah, it's it's an again, it's like a very literal depiction of like the commodification of the bodies yeah. of black people. And it's brilliant and it's Jordan Peele and yeah um and it has a hopeful ending which yeah it seems like it like there's no way that it could have a hopeful ending after all of that but it does and there's um, also a great jordan peele interview where he discusses the original ending yes. too so yeah. yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so good anyway i didn't i wasn't intending to have like that long of a of a summary of get out um but no, please but go it's... watch it but um yeah <laughs> but i wanted to talk about that because i do feel like that is like such a like such a great example of of using horror to explore racism yeah so a few other works that that also do a similar thing i think with like varying degrees of success which i'll get into um are the series them um which was on amazon the movie antebellum there is a series called the underground railroad which is based on the novel of the same name by colson whitehead and the movie Candyman. sure um there's probably other examples but those are the ones that i kind of um put together so I um I had mentioned in our overview episode that I that I wanted to find like some critical perspectives and yeah. I did find some kind of critiques of of you know kind of using horror as a way to explore black trauma yeah. and um kind of what like the implications that that has so I did find there's an article in the Atlantic by Hannah Georges, I believe is how the name is pronounced, that is like reviewing the show Them um, when it first came out last year. Yeah. So she kind of comments on it. She kind of like it turns into kind of a commentary on this whole idea of, you know, black horror films and horror media that is exploring race and i thought that she had like a really um a really interesting perspective on um black horror so she says black horror faces a distinct paradox the genre has been a valuable tool for creators of different backgrounds to process their trauma and for audiences to reckon with their own Some Black writers and producers use horror and science fiction as a lens through which to examine the the grotesquerie of the country's racist systems and history. And here she mentions Get Out, which Jordan Peele um, wrote after the killing of Trayvon Martin. Yeah. Um, And then she goes on to say, but productions that engage with the real life terror can at times feel more like brutal reenactments 
of senselessness than purposeful works of art unintentionally compounding some black viewers trauma sure um and so she does actually mention lovecraft country in this kind of in this category she notes that it was co-produced by jordan peele which is interesting oh that is interesting Um, yeah um but she says that uh, lovecraft country deployed literal monsters written by its bigoted namesake lovecraft to both symbolize and enact jim crow era racism yeah she kind of um summarizes that like the show promised um kind of a fantastical catharsis or escapism um but she personally felt that it um just was kind of violence with no real narrative value sure um for the black characters so that was her perspective obviously like i'm sure that there are you know black viewers who who felt differently, but that's her perspective. Yeah, and that's an important perspective. <laughs> yeah, you know? absolutely. And she kind of said, so I never, I didn't watch the series Them, but she kind of um, has like a similar thought about that show, that it's that it just kind of portrays this trauma, but it doesn't have any like narrative purpose or any catharsis in yeah. the end. So I, yeah, I did want to bring in that perspective. Absolutely. Because um, I think that, you know, that's important to to have a full picture of, um, especially, you know, for us as white people that yeah. we don't, you know, like we don't really have the, we don't have the experience, we don't have the life experience or the, um, the insight to like really form that perspective ourselves. So yeah. I think it's important that we hear that from from people who are actually directly affected by this. So absolutely, yeah. So I just wanted to bring that in, um, not to be a downer, but no, <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, like I can resonate with that for other things that have given me trauma, and then they've been put yeah. into a show, and it feels one note or it feels like it falls flat to the actual experience um yeah thank you for bringing in that perspective Mm -hmm. that's so important yeah and I think that it I think that not that like racism is a one-to-one for like misogyny but I think that like as women we can we can kind of like we can kind of get like the same sort of idea from like media that depicts violence against women or that depicts you know um that depicts like sexist violence domestic violence like I've definitely watched things that you know maybe ostensibly they were about like pointing out you know like the wrongness of violence against women but in the process they just show a woman being traumatized sure and there's no like purpose to it you know yeah um i think that like the intent is important but how you show it through the narrative is also very important yeah because like just showing trauma is not the same thing as like condemning trauma you know what i mean or like condemning Um, whatever it is, whatever kind of bigotry is being perpetrated. And kind Um, of not the same as offering that with also like a hand to help you walk through it with the creators, Mm -hmm. you know, like, 
giving you that traumatic image without any sort of like assistance for ways to like cope with it or to think about it I think can be really difficult bit of a heavier one we usually we do our heavier episode for part three but yeah decided to mix it up we did (laughs) uh yeah well where do we go from there (laughs) what are we talking about next week think next maybe a little psychology a little bit of psychology a little bit of history a little bit of history yeah little bit of now i just have mom uh, mambo number five mambo number five. <laughs> oh no yes. little bit of history on the set. <laughs> i love it in, in the office when he's singing it and he goes a little he just bit puts, of like pants on like, the thing yeah. he doesn't know <laughs> He just puts like all the women's names into it with like no, no regard for like the number of syllables that it has or like what the, if it makes sense. He's just putting them in there. He's yeah. just throwing them right in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Michael Scott. Um. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. So next week, please join us. Yeah, psychology We're and history. We're gonna try to make it fun. We're gonna, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I think this is one of the more introspective, yeah, um, series that we've done. Totally, which I kind of enjoy. Which means next month we're gonna have to do something like really silly, which we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh. By the way, did you see the trailer? I don't know why I said by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but did you see the trailer for The Glass Onion? What? It The Knives Out sequel. <gasps> no! It's called The Glass Onion. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> Ooh, I did, when's it coming out? Soon? I think next month. Oh! <gasps> Yeah, November. You just made my day. Go, yeah, go watch the trailer. I will. I'm excited. It's gonna be good. Anyway, okay. I'm gonna, fine. Go, I'm gonna go finish watching Andor now. I'm gonna go like take a bath or something. I'm still <sighs> sick. You and your baths. Oh, yeah, no. Take a bath. You do you when you take a bath? Do you like pretend that you're in a high fantasy novel because? I definitely do that. After we talked about it, about how, like, (laughs) bath scenes are only really acceptable in, like, high fantasy, the next time I took (laughs) a bath, I, for some reason, was thinking about, oh my gosh, and now I'm blanking on the name. Um, We just did a series on it. It's about, uh, oh my gosh, it's Russian. (laughs) What's it called? Russian Uh, Doll? No, it's high fantasy. It's she starts as a map maker and then uh, oh, shadow and bone. That one I I could not for the life of me think of the name. (laughs) I was thinking about Alina and like I don't even think she ever gets a bath scene. But I was like, it's missed opportunity, Bardugo. Come on, missed opportunity. (laughs) You know what fantasy book has, and this is technically portal fantasy, but a fantasy book that has a great bath scene 
the silver chair from the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, where sure. Jill is like at uh at Care Paravel and <gasps> she's like she gets to like take a bath and then like the big owl Glimfeather comes and like perches in her window Aww. and then she like and it the owl like carries her um to the Parliament of Owls. It's great. <laughs> That's phenomenal. I I really love Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, me too. Maybe we're talking about that soon. We should talk about that at some point. It's on our schedule. Oh, good. I was I was like, <laughs> how have we never talked about that? Good. I'm we have. We're... We've talked about it many times, but never as like as like a the meat core and potatoes. Focus. Yeah, yeah, the meat and potatoes. Ooh, meat and potatoes. Mm. Oh, I'm a hobbit, you guys. I just. <laughs> uh yeah okay well are we are we done um segueing now (laughs) i think we're done (laughs) all right um oh i lost my oh Oh, no headphone there for a second i'm good i'm fine um go (laughs) go follow us on instagram yes um go watch a show go watch a show there's a lot of shows right now and they're all good you guys heard of these shows I'm sure they're not all good, but no, probably um, not. All of the ones I watch are good. So, fifty percent of the ones I watch are good. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay, I'm gonna watch Andor. You're gonna take a bath. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, friends. <laughs> okay, bye.